Hey, everybody, if you want to tell the world something or sell the world something, head on over to Squarespace because they're going to help you build the website of your dreams. Say you want to sell some custom merch. Well, you can set up your online store, whether you sell physical, digital, or service products. Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. So go to squarespace.com stuff right now, and you will face a free trial. And when you get ready to launch, use our offer code STUFF, and then you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. How could you go wrong with Squarespace? Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Do, 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 do. Or wait, what's the opposite? How about do, 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 do. Sad trombone. Uh, Vancouver and Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't come see you right now. We're sorry to say. It's not us. It's the coronavirus. It told us not to come. That's right. Uh, local authorities are shutting down shows of this size. We are not able to come. We are postponing. We will have more information coming as far as rescheduling. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe how it works is your tickets are good if you want to come to that other show. Uh, but we don't know all the details yet. So just bear with us while we try and figure this out. Right. And in the meantime, you can get in touch with the uh, Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall and the Chan Center box offices to figure out what's what. Yeah, they'll probably have good info. But we really apologize for any inconvenience and we will eventually see you guys we promise in the meantime stay well wash those hands and don't panic welcome to stuff you should know a production of iHeartRadio's how stuff works hey and welcome to the podcast i'm josh clark there's charles w chuck bryant there's jerry over there and this is stuff you should know all about the song Chopsticks. I wondered if you were going to make a joke about that. <laughs> Jerry beat me to it when she was like, what are we recording today? And I told her, she's like, the song? Dun, 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 dun. It's no, song. it's... Dun, 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 oh, is that Chopsticks? Dun, dun, dun. Aren't there two Chopsticks? No, I'm just teasing. That's heart and soul. Oh, okay. So, so what I said from Big, that was Chopsticks, right? Totally, yeah. Okay. Robert, uh, Robert Loggia? Yeah, man. I should have continued trolling and said James Kahn. <laughs> oh, wow. That is a very James Kahn-like role, though, isn't it? Totally. I think he played that role in Bottle Rocket. In, uh, well, he was a crime boss in Bottle Rocket, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, sort of. Well, not <laughs> a sort good of. good movie. Truly. We watched uh, Misery the other day. It still holds up. Oh, man. I remember seeing that for the first time in uh, Athens when I was in college. Mm-hmm. So great. <laughs> Kathy Bates can do no wrong. She did great, but if you watch James Kahn, he did really well too. Like, sure, his whole kind of trepidatious manner toward her was really well done and not overdone at all. And mm-hmm. like, he he did a great job as well. And he had to lay there in a bed for weeks and weeks mm-hmm. and act. Yeah, sounds and like a dream. <laughs> yeah, and if he uh, if he balked at it, they would uh, attach a catheter to him and make him pee in his own mouth as punishment. <laughs> oh my God. Little known fact about that movie. 
Oh, so chopsticks. Right. Uh, we should point out here that uh, <clears throat> in researching this, chopsticks and customs and etiquette, if we covered all the countries and all that stuff that use mm-hmm. chopsticks, we'd be here all day. Yeah. So there's kind of a focus here on, on Japan for well, the most Japan, part. They seem to be a little uh, the most um, sensitive to transgressions with chopsticks out of all of the Asian cultures, I think. Perhaps. They have the most rules against them at the very least. Yeah, but when you read them, it's, they could all be summed up as just don't be a dumb American. Yeah, or don't have any fun whatsoever with your chopsticks <laughs> is another way to put it. You're like, what's wrong with making them antennas in a restaurant and going, right. meep, meep, meep. <laughs> right. I'm a walrus now. Why can't I be a walrus? Right. Um, but we are talking Chopsticks, not the song. Sorry to disappoint you, everybody. But I saw that, that that song is actually called Chopsticks because it was originally called the Celebrated Chop Waltz. Hmm. Okay. Written okay. by a 16-year-old schoolgirl from England. Seems about right. Sure. So, um, but we're talking about the the utensils. And, like, when you think Chopsticks, obviously you think, like, Asia. Sure. And... You don't think that there was ever anything but chopsticks in the history of Asia. And while chopsticks are actually surprisingly old, I think they go back about 7,000 years. I also saw 5,000 years. I'm going with seven. I think they're they're actually about as ancient as that. They weren't like the go-to utensil for Asia until this millennium. Yeah, the, the spoon was kind of the go-to. Yeah, who knew? Uh, the word chopstick, they think... Uh, may be pigeon English, Chinese pigeon English, mm-hmm. uh, meaning chop, chop, or quickly. Right. But, you know, this is one of these uh, etymologies that's sort of tough to pin down, it looks like. But that's the English word for it. In all of the chopstick-using cultures, they have their own word. Like in of Japan, course. it's hashi. Mm-hmm. It's kuaizi in China. Nice. I'm not sure if I said that right at all. Um, Geogarok in Korean. <laughs> All right, not as not as nice. <laughs> and doi doi dua in Vietnamese. All right, I'm sorry. <laughs> half of the world's population. I love that you started strong in Japan, though, because you feel pretty confident in your Japanese pronunciations. That's a good way to go. Yes, I have a great tutor. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, uh, five to seven thousand years ago, <laughs> they were used initially for cooking. And we'll get more into the ins and outs of the history, but they were made from twigs, um, mm-hmm. probably. And it was much, much later, like you said, that they were table utensils. Right. And, yeah, it, for the- and it was all very much like uh, practicality based. Yeah, because initially they figured out pretty early on these um, the Chinese from 5,000 to 7,000 years ago, that's a really bad idea to stick your hand into a pot of boiling water. Mm-hmm. To get something out of it, say like a bone or a piece of meat or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's way better to use a twig, and it's even better to use two twigs as if they were kind of a, a pair of detached tweezers. Sure. And that's apparently where they initially started to come into use was during cooking and food preparation, not the actual eating process. That's right. Um, there was a big population boom in uh, China at one point. Some might say there continues to be. And resources became a little more scarce. Uh, They started cutting their food up into little tiny pieces Mm -hmm. um, for reasons of like it helps it to cook faster. Right. Um, I wonder, I I didn't see anything about this, but I wonder if that also just made it more shareable among a larger family. 
I could see that. That's a great point, too. And but isn't it fascinating, though, the idea that a population boom led to widespread use of the chopstick? Yeah, it's interesting. And then Confucius also was a, a vegetarian and noted uh, knife hater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he has a quote about knives. The honorable and upright man keeps well away from both the slaughterhouse and the kitchen, mm-hmm. and he allows no knives on his table. And I think that was a little more because a knife was equated with eating meat. Right. Less than like it's a garbage tool. You don't need a, you don't need a knife to eat a plant, basically. Yeah, some might argue you might want to cut a piece of broccoli. Maybe, but <laughs> you don't have to. I just summed up Confucius. That's the level of right. arrogance that I'm operating <laughs> at now. Uh, and I think some of the early, and you know, it started in, in China and then, you know, pretty soon Korea, Vietnam, Japan were all using them. Um, but I think that Chinese chopsticks uh, were joined at the, the, what they are now. What are they called now if they're joined and you got to split them apart? Where is oh, uh, warabashi. That's Japanese. This is a term for disposable chopsticks. Okay, but I thought I thought the Chinese chopsticks were originally joined like that. Yes? No, it was Japanese. Okay. There was a single piece of bamboo that was like split, kind of like giant tweezers. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm reading this now. I had a sometimes I can't. Wait, tell you're the, just <laughs> now reading this, Chuck? Well, no, I get sometimes, and it's the dumbest thing, but I get confused between former and latter. <laughs> oh yeah, I, it's not that I get confused. I just have to go back and sort of sure. uh, picture it in my brain. It just takes an extra second, I think, for everybody. That's right. It's definitely not intuitive, <laughs> so don't feel bad. Uh, I also thought this thing about food poisoning was interesting. Um, was that in uh, dynastic times in China? Mm-hmm. They would use, and I guess people that are a little more well-heeled would use silver chopsticks um, because they thought that if it came into contact with something that was poisonous, then the chopsticks would turn black and they would know not to eat it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just makes sense. When you're rich and wealthy, more people want to kill you. So it's better to have something that shows if somebody's trying to poison you, like your chopsticks turning a color if you're being poisoned with cyanide or something like that. Right. The problem is it doesn't actually work. And I don't know why they didn't just think that through from the get-go, like, oh, well, let's get ourselves some cyanide and stick a silver chopstick in it and see what happens and see that it doesn't work. But apparently it does work in the presence of garlic or rotten eggs yeah. um, because they put out hydrogen sulfide, so it will turn silver a different color. So I don't know how garlic ever made itself... Uh, into a staple of Chinese cooking, but there we have it. Yeah, and the other thing I thought was interesting, and we should mention too, this came from a variety of places. Uh, Tegan Jones at Gizmodo, Lisa Brahman mm-hmm. from Smithsonian Mag, uh, Q. Edward Wang from Cambridge Blog, mm-hmm. Huff Poe, believe it or not, got in the works, <laughs> Yeah, and uh, some other places. But um, I thought that Q. Edward Wang's history was really interesting because um, he mentions that Wheat is kind of the first reason before rice, which really surprised me. It was very surprising. I think he knew all along that that was the big reveal. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah. But that's what gave chopsticks a shot in the arm. Um, So first we have cutting um, food into smaller pieces to to have it cook faster so you use less firewood, right? Because there's a population boom. And then as wheat becomes kind of fashionable and widespread, um, you start to use chopsticks because you're making things like noodles and dumplings. Yeah. 
and prior to this, millet was the um, the go-to grain. And millet's really small. It's much smaller than rice. And you certainly aren't going to turn it into like a, a noodle or a dumpling. <clears throat> you make a gruel out of it. Uh-huh. And so for thousands of years, the go-to utensil that people used to eat with in China was a spoon because mm-hmm. they were eating gruel or porridge or whatever, and everybody hated life. But when wheat came along and they started turning it into noodles and dumplings, they said, oh, yeah, remember those things that we use, those twigs to, to cook with? What if we made a smaller version of those to eat with, too? And that's where the chopstick got its first, like, real boost in, in usage around Asia. Yeah, I mean, try to eat uh, <clears throat> a big spoonful of noodles and just watch as they flop off and sling uh, delicious sauce all over, you, all over the place. There is... Literally nothing more frustrating than trying to eat noodles with a spoon <laughs> in the entire world. Yeah, I mean, sure, you could uh, chop them up into tiny little pieces so they rest in your spoon with some broth. Sure. But who who wants to do that? Like the person that cuts up their boschetti at the table into mm-hmm. tiny bits mm-hmm. is a, a six-year-old. Yeah, or just thoroughly un-American. <laughs> True. One of the two. Maybe both, <laughs> depending on how sophisticated the six-year-old is, you know? Uh, the other thing I thought was interesting, too, uh, from Mr. Wang's article was he talked about stew, which is gang in Chinese. Uh, they ate a lot of stew back then, and uh, mm-hmm. chopsticks would be very useful for picking up things like the, the more solid objects in the stew, like the vegetables. Right. So you've got wheat coming into into vogue. Mm-hmm. You've got smaller pieces vegetables, stew being eaten, chopsticks are like, come on, we're going to do it. We've got to do this. We just need one more thing to get us over the hump, and people are going to know us everywhere around the world. And that one thing was a particular kind of Vietnamese rice that uh, ripens early, apparently. And it's a shorter grain or a medium grain, Mm -hmm. which means that it's easier to, um, it clumps more easily. It also has a lot of, like, starches to it. So it's just kind of clumpy, sticky rice. And here in the West, we're not really used to that kind of rice. So we're like, how are you going to use chopsticks to eat this stuff? With? <laughs> like, try eating some Uncle Ben's with chopsticks. You can't do it. It's like trying to eat noodles with a spoon. Yeah, or you would just do that move. And this is what I didn't understand when I was growing up because I was a little naive. Uh, when I saw chopsticks, I would just think about scooping up the rice on top of them very awkwardly. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was a little bit older and had good clumpy Chinese rice. Right. And Japanese rice. I was like, oh, it's very easy to eat with chopsticks. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, okay, I've got it. Because <laughs> right. it sticks together. It's like a nice little morsel of food. Uh-huh. And it sticks together just about the right size. And, and it's, it's, it's totally different. So when you eat Chinese rice or Japanese rice or even Vietnamese rice, the stickier rice, mm-hmm. then you understand, okay, you can use this as a, as you can use chopsticks for this. And the Chinese figured this out as well when rice became much more of a staple of the Asian diet. And all of a sudden now, you didn't need a spoon anymore because everybody's like, to heck with millet. Who wants gruel? Nobody. Yeah. So they threw their spoons out the window. Um, and then they started just eating chopsticks for everything. You could use it for everything now. It's all you needed for your meal. Yeah. And that all-in-one solution, I think, was um, that happened in China and Japan and Vietnam for sure. And Korea, I think, was the one standout because I believe in Korea, the spoon and the chopstick still go hand in hand. 
Yeah, and this, uh, I believe it was Q. Edward Wang who maybe wrote this, mm-hmm. but he basically said it, it seems to be a, a conscious decision. Right, in Korea. Almost as if they were being contrary or something like that. Maybe they just want to do their own thing. Well, they eat a lot of very, very hot stews and soups. Have you ever had bude jjigae? Uh, I don't think so. I'm not even sure I'm saying it correctly. Have you ever been to eat at like H Mart or like an Asian food court or something like that? Sure. If you go to a Korean place, they usually have, I think it's called bude jjigae. It's like hot dog soup, basically. Oh, my Lord. And it's like this kind of, I'm not even sure. I guess it's a, it's like a chili paste broth with lots of great processed meat in it mm. and like ramen and like jalapenos. It's just so good. But that thing comes to you boiling and you're supposed to like eat the chunky parts out with a, with a chopstick. But I guess it always comes with a spoon too. So I think you're supposed to actually eat the broth with the spoon rather than sip. I tell you one thing I do love is the design of the, um, and I'm calling it the Chinese spoon. I don't know if it originated in China, but you know the soup spoon I'm talking about. Yeah, like the one you use for miso soup. Oh man, they're just the best. Yeah, they do. They because you can get a really big spoonful on there. You yeah, know, and it's ergonomic. It just it's the way to it's the way to do it unless you're just going to pick up the bowl and drink it, which is great too. Yeah. Up with the miso soup spoon. All right, let's take a break because I'm so hungry after you said hot dog stew. (laughs) (laughs) My stomach's growling. Uh, And we'll come back and we'll talk more about chopsticks. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. I don't remember what episode it was, Chuck, but do you remember when our our stomachs growled in sync with one another? That was very recently. It was? Yeah. You can still reminisce about recent stuff. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
I say. I'm nostalgic for that thing that happened last week. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so apparently, and this, uh, I'm not sure how accurate this is, but the the, the four main kinds of chopsticks, mm-hmm. apparently um, in China, the, the chopsticks are a little bit longer and a, yeah. a little more blunt on the ends. Yeah, and they think that might be a nod to uh, Confucius basically saying, like, don't have knives at your table. Don't even have vaguely sharpened chopsticks even. Like nothing stabby. Nothing. Don't You don't want to be stabbed at your table. I think in Japan they're a little sharper and a little shorter, mm-hmm. but you're still not supposed to be stabbing stuff. No. Don't stab that piece of tuna. No. it's You can just tell if you've ever done that while you're doing it that you're violating some unnatural law or something <laughs> like it that. It feels wrong, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me see here. In Korea, apparently they are shorter as well. And they are also blunt, uh, but they can be metallic. Yeah, that's one thing that we'll see because we're going to talk about, as with everything in existence, there's some horrid environmental impact with chopsticks sure. as well. Um, but the Japanese are like, give us cheap, disposable, wooden or bamboo chopsticks and basically nothing else. Yeah. They're just crazy for it. Whereas some of the other Asian cultures are like, no, we can use reusable ones. But the Japanese are like, no. We want nothing but disposable, cheap chopsticks, that warabashi. I assume that you and uh, Yumi have your own chopsticks at home. Oh, yeah. And do you bring those to restaurants? Oh, no. No? No, never do. We should. No, I know the feeling. Everybody should, but... I usually think when I'm there, I'm like, oh, man, I should have brought my chopsticks. Well, you know, I mean, like, if you go to any Asian store, they have, like, cute little... It looks almost like a pencil case, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, chopsticks inside, and it's meant for you to, to carry them around with you, but no one does that. You just don't. <laughs> Even though, hopefully, in 10 years, when we're all like, okay, this is out of control, and, and this is really bad, everyone will be doing that. You just don't do it. And yeah, yeah, we have some that, like, I could just put in my jeans pocket and walk around with if I wanted to, but I don't do it. Yeah. No one does. I take my straw now, and I use it because I now keep it in my purse. Which, <laughs> Your purse, my purse, which goes everywhere with me. Yeah. So I need I need to throw some chopsticks in there. Sure. And it, it's a good feeling when you say no straw. I've got my own, and I would love to yeah. be able to say no, no. You keep those wooden chopsticks. Yeah. Take that straw and shove it where the sun <laughs> don't shine. Wow. Yeah. I'm not that aggressive about it. <laughs> it's so funny. Depending on where you are in the country, though, like if they bring you a straw and you say no, no straw, please, they look at you like you're just a straight up democratic socialist hippie (laughs) you know like you're trying to undermine the government or something like that it's kind of hilarious yeah uh sure but other places now are uh, there's a couple of places in my my neighborhood who have um postings on the wall when you walk in talking about the uh, impact of straws and that straws are upon request only Right. And if you got a problem with that, you can take a straw and shove it where the sun don't shine. <laughs> right. Or you you take that problem to the voting booth this fall. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so job. are you prepared? Because I have a feeling you do a better job than me at this because oh, you boy. you so often uh, have great convoluted ways of describing visual mm-hmm. things. <laughs> I'm going to do a great job describing it to you because you can watch my hands. But yeah. I think for everybody listening, it's going to be very problematic. All right. How do you use chopsticks? <laughs> All right. I'm going to get you back for this one, Chuck. So I did it intuitively, by the way, which is what I suggest. 
Yeah. I never watch, read a thing. Watch some I think reading it and having it explained makes it way harder. I agree. I think it's just one of those things you have to watch somebody do mm-hmm. in practice. I mean, it's just all practice. But essentially, there's a couple things to remember is that both chopsticks are laying. Do you want do you want to go step by step through it? No, I think I want the Josh method. Okay. Well, it's the same it's the same method or the Josh just, description. Okay. So in the valley between your thumb and your forefinger? <laughs> yeah. Okay. The webbing right there? Uh-huh. That's where the chopsticks rest. The thumb taint. The thumb taint, the chode. <laughs> your hand chode. Oh my god. <laughs> hand chode, great band Who name. Knew? It really is. Um uh, wow. So <laughs> the the two chopsticks lay right there. Okay? Okay. One of them, the bottom one, is basically meant to be immobile and stationary. Yes. It, it just basically stays there. And it's the top one that you're, you're, you're moving, you're kind of holding with your forefinger, your index finger, and your middle finger. Mm-hmm. You, that's, that's what you're using to move this, this top one. And so it's really the bottom one that stays basically stationary, and the top one is the one that's moving, and you're just using it to kind of t- pick up and tweeze food or rice or um, whatever with it. If you get really good, you can, like, pick your friend up with it. Right, or catch a fly. If you're sensei-level right. with chopsticks, for sure. But that's essentially it. And the, the, you don't want to hold it too tightly. If you're, if you're gripping it too tightly or your muscles are too tense, yeah. Relax, you're not going to be able to, um, to, to, to kind of make that tweezer motion very easily, or you're certainly not going to have much control. It's kind of paradoxical that the looser you have your hand to a certain degree, the more control you have over the chopsticks and the tension that you're, you're directing toward the end of the chopstick. So keep your, keep your hand loose, but in control, and just make sure you remember that the bottom one that's kind of resting all the way along your thumb, the that one's basically stationary, and the top one is the one you're directing with your f- index finger and middle finger. Yeah, I recommend halfway through your meal, switch those two out, because that bottom one is just along for the ride. Sure, yeah. And it needs to do a little work, you know what I mean? Yep. So it just switch them out and make that one the topper mm-hmm. and uh, give it, you know, make it do a little sweat, sweating. I think that's a pretty good chunk. Do a little sweat? I think we deserve a Peabody Award for describing how to use <laughs> chopsticks. No visuals. Uh, you did talk about the environmental impact a little bit, but it is a real problem. I mean, you see these tiny little things mm-hmm. and you think, what's the big whoop? Like a tree can probably make a gazillion chopsticks. So they need like true. maybe 10 trees in China to make all the chopsticks they need. Do you do you remember that? What Just one thing. Do you remember that cartoon it might have been a Simpsons or something like that, where they chop down a tree and they show them processing one single tree into just a, an individual toothpick. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> I'm pretty like sure Simpsons. had to be the Simpsons, you know. <laughs> but imagine if they're like, no, we we make one chopstick out of uh, just a single tree. I didn't think about toothpicks, man. How many toothpicks can you get out of a tree? I, I don't even know. They're they're problem. They're on the horizon, right? But when you think about the fact that. China alone produces 80 billion disposable chopsticks every year. Oh, my God. Then you get a little bit more of a sense of exactly how many of these trees. Uh, and it says here there was – I'm trying to find out what year this is. It was, it was fairly recently. Um, but they've had, like, parliamentary meetings and stuff about this in China. Mm-hmm. And they estimated that it takes about 20 million 20-year-old trees to cover their annual rate of production. Yeah, a guy named Bai Wajin, pretty sure I said his last name correctly, yeah. 
Um, he he's like a representative from the Jilin Forestry Industry Group, and he really like rocked everybody at a parliamentary meeting where he basically said, hey, do you remember that old figure that everybody has been touting for years that we actually use 57 billion chopsticks a year, produce 57 billion chopsticks a year? Mm -hmm. He said, that's way off. It's actually 80 billion. And like you just said, we need 20 million 20-year-old trees to meet that a year. Yeah. And people said, wow, that's kind of a problem. And so around the around the world, like China, so of that 80 billion, I think China, half of them stays in China. Of the other half. Yeah, I wondered about that. 77% goes to Japan. Okay. And Japan was actually the one um, that started all this. They, they came up with disposable chopsticks, waribashi, um, all the way back in 1878. And have just been crazy for them ever since. Yeah. Like you can go to like a pretty high-end restaurant in Japan and they're going to have wooden chopsticks that you pull or bamboo apart chopsticks yeah that you you would pull apart though there are also plenty of restaurants in Japan that have reusable ones and they're much more elegant or whatever but it's not like you wouldn't just walk in and be like what is this disposable chopsticks are you kidding because they're just such a part of Japanese culture so they use 77 percent of the other half Korea uses 21 percent and then two percent comes to the United States yeah, is that all I have to couch that that was 2011 uh, figures, which is the latest I could find. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that um, I would think China and Japan, it would just seem like they would, like everyone would have their own and it would be a very like prideful thing to take care of your chopsticks and to have something cool looking. Yeah. It just kind of surprises me that they're so down with the disposable. It surprises a lot of people, especially Japan is like really well known for being meticulous yeah. with um, recycling and, and reducing waste and stuff like that. It doesn't fit. Um, yeah, it's just this one thing. They really love their disposable chopsticks um, and they just throw them away. They're not being recycled or composted or anything like Ugh. that. They're just being thrown in the trash. So some, so, uh, what I read is that some restaurants will offer, um, you know, tea, uh, for free if you bring your own chopsticks or maybe like a you discount get that tea for free anyway. Like but um, <laughs> yeah, basically. But the, there's not like a lot of, there's not a huge amount of movement in Japan where China, and this is, I think I read this in like a, like a New York Times green blog or something like that. Um, China's made some, some moves like, like taxing uh, disposable, adding an extra tax to disposable yeah. chopsticks, I think. Um, More regulation um, basically overall, I think. Which is really saying something, you know? I mean, um, there's, there's like a, apparently a whole sub-industry to the disposable chopsticks industry that is small enough that it escapes a lot of oversight. Uh -huh. And they can be really problematic. Like there can be a lot of chemicals in these chopsticks. And, um, they're just like an all-around basic nightmare. And it's just such low-hanging fruit. All everybody has to do is just have their own chopsticks. Mm -hmm. But just people just won't do it. And I'm guilty, too, like I said. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we have reusable ones at home, but we don't take them out of the house ever. Yeah, plus the uh, the paper used to encase mm -hmm. the said chopsticks. That's a lot of paper, too. Yeah, it is. And what do you do with that stuff? You just rip it open and burn it at the table. Throw, yeah, yeah. Yep, it's true. Should we take another break? Yeah. <laughs> all right. We'll take another break and talk a little bit about etiquette uh, right after this, because we're all doing it wrong to a certain degree. <laughs> all 
This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. Okay, Miss Manners, lay it on. <laughs> That's Dr. Mrs. Manners. <laughs> That's right. PhD Esquire. So this is mainly uh, Japan that we're concentrating on with the etiquette. And like you said, I think they take it a little more seriously than some other Asian countries mm-hmm. because it, it turns out that chopsticks uh, can and have had an important part in burial rites. Yeah. And funeral rites, Buddhist funeral rites. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the, the uh, taboos, I guess you'd call them, o- over chopsticks in Japan and in other Asian countries too, are kind of based on like, well, that's that's kind of something we do with funeral rites. Mm-hmm. And so that reminds us of that. Japan is not crazy about being reminded of death or mortality yeah. or pain. Same here. All that stuff is very um, unlucky. Like the number four is unlucky because the word for four, uh, I think she also sounds very much like the word for death. Right. I think I remember that. that so they don't have four elevator floors? Is that right? I don't, or am I I don't making remember that up? if they do or not, but let's just go with that they don't. Because <laughs> it sounds pretty great. So uh, etiquette level one is how, uh, is how this is presented. There's a couple of levels here as mm-hmm. far as like you really shouldn't do these things. But if you really want to ramp it up, you shouldn't do these things as well. I felt these were kind of willy-nilly, didn't you? Well, I mean, this is one person's opinion. Right. But um, the things that you really shouldn't do are the following um, do not, if you like, get up to go to the bathroom, don't stick your chopsticks sitting upright in your bowl of rice. No. And that has to do with the uh, household Buddhist altar uh, because uh, it is a bowl of rice is offered uh, as uh, to a dead person's spirit. And this apparently is from a Buddhist, uh, Buddhist? <laughs> Buddhist funeral rites as well because there's a photograph uh, of a bowl of rice. And to stick chopsticks in the middle of that uh, would be mm, verboten. 
Um, I think it's they'll have like a photograph of the deceased, and they give them a bowl of uncooked rice. So they and they stick the chopsticks up in that. Oh, okay, I read that. So completely it's reminiscent wrong. of that. That okay. Like, so that's so it's got that death thing going on. The death angle. Yeah, and then the other thing I saw about that too is that they, it also was reminiscent of a like a bowl of sand with incense sticking out of it that you would also put on a Buddhist uh, shrine to the deceased. So okay. they're like way too reminiscent of death for that to be okay. Okay, that makes sense now. There's another one that's very similar. Don't leave your chopsticks crossed. Right. Like resting on your bowl or on your plate. Just don't cross your chopsticks. It's it's impolite. Basically for the exact same reason as sticking them out of the, the bowl. Right, and I think that one is one you see like on uh, food, Instagram food posts a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. from Whitey saying, you know, like, cross the chopsticks because it looks cool or whatever. Look at how cool this looks. Yeah, not cool, apparently. <laughs> right. uh, we talked about spearing. Uh, the advice here is to treat them as if they are actually connected, even though they're not. Mm-hmm. It's a good way to Just, remember it. Like, pretend connected. That's right. Yeah, and remember, this is like, that, I think that goes back to, like, Confucius, um, where it's like, don't don't have a knife at your table don't use your chopsticks to spear food. That's right. Uh, apparently, it's bad luck, or not bad luck, well, maybe bad luck, to use uh, two different chopsticks. Yeah. Um, they should I'd have the s- same mommy and daddy. This person said that it's just unsightly and that it's also reminiscent of funeral rites. That one, I couldn't I couldn't figure that one out. Yeah. There's, there's another funeral one, too. A lot of funeral rites involve chopsticks. Passing food from chopstick to chopstick. Like if you're like, hey, you got to try a bite of this. That's just hard you to hold do. hold it up. It's, it's, but it's kind of, it's, it's a little bit showy. Yeah. <laughs> if you can do it. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> but, um, but when you, you know, if somebody grabs it with their chopstick, that's how they pass bones from cremations mm-hmm. during funeral rites too. And they're like, nope, that reminds us of that as well. Yeah. And there are some of these that are mm-hmm. just like, I can't believe people do this. Do not wash your chopsticks off in your beverage. Yeah, that's gross. Did someone do that? I don't know. Apparently somebody has. The other thing about this is, so the fact that they have restrictions on this, social restrictions, means that people have done it before. But they also go so far as, like, most of these things all have, like, individual words. That's how, like, aggro the Japanese are about this this kind of etiquette. Yeah. They have words for that. Like, washing your chopsticks <laughs> off in your drink is not just called right. washing your chopsticks off in your drink. Yeah, there's a name for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, let me see here. Do not treat them as toys. And we talked earlier about um, putting them in your mouth like they're fangs or walrus tusks or antennas <laughs> or drumsticks. Yeah. Just not a good look. Right. Uh, here's another one that is um, – this is a sort of one that I, I think happens a lot is uh, you might see women, uh, American women maybe, do their hair and put chopsticks in them. Mm-hmm. Those – when you see that in Japan, those are not chopsticks. <laughs> right. <laughs> it might look like chopsticks, but they're actually called kanzashi. Yeah, it'd be kind of like sticking a fork in your hair. Right. If you're walking around Japan looking like that, they'd be like, why do you why do you have that fork in your hair? Yeah. It looks a little off. But yeah, like they look just like those things, but there's a separate thing. That's right. What did you call them? Uh, kanzashi. Yeah, nice. That's a beautiful word. I mean, I didn't make that up. <laughs> right, I know. Okay. I know. Um, Another one is you'll very frequently see people do this, and and I've done it too, and it's apparently acceptable under certain circumstances, but when you break your warabashi, your disposable cheap chopsticks apart Mm -hmm. at the end, 
um, if there's splinters or there's like a piece of wood sticking out, you can rub them together. I always kind do that. Of soften the the wood or get the splinters off. Mm-hmm. But you're not supposed to do that as just like a matter of course because you're basically insulting the restaurant. You're saying like these are so cheap these chopsticks that you're providing your guests yeah. that, like, I've got to rub them together. And you definitely don't want to, like, make eye contact with the owner while you're rubbing it together. <laughs> like, this is what I think of your establishment. Um, so, and uh, you people do that all the time. I it's, do it. It's almost, like, habitual. It's habitual for me, and I started doing it when I first started using chopsticks because I saw the person I was with did mm-hmm. it, and I was like, mm-hmm. I guess that's what you do. You get those little splinters off. Right. And now it's a total habit, and... uh my whole thing there, I don't think that one's a really big one. Like, it, especially in America, it happens so much. I don't think anyone, a restaurant owner, is like super insulted by seeing this. Sure. Yeah. Especially in America. But they are super cheap and they do splinter. Right. Well, I, in that case, yes. Like that, that, that proprietor has brought it on himself or herself for providing everybody with such cheap chopsticks that they're splintery. I, I will always remember this now. I'll tell you that. Yeah, and this is this, so. I agree with you. I think that this is probably not that big of an insult, especially in America. Uh-huh. It's, it probably falls in line with like how you're not supposed to um, like put your wasabi put in the soy sauce or something like that. Uh, well, yeah. if you want to, just do it. Sure. You know, if you want to be remarkably polite, then you wouldn't do any of these things. Some are way worse than others, and I think that one probably falls into a the lesser category even yeah. though it's under this advancing this is why i was saying this seems willy-nilly yeah and the, we also covered some of this in our sushi episode um because if i'm not mistaken don't you eat sushi with your fingers or am i wrong don't you <laughs> <laughs> don't you eat with your fingers or do you not no i don't i i, I love showing off how great i am at chopsticks oh. i use them at every turn you got every, some skills every time i can yeah <laughs> I, I eat millet gruel with chopsticks that's how good i am yeah or you uh i've seen you just flip up a, a, a shrimp and catch it in the other one mm-hmm. what a show off <laughs> it's pretty great because you have chopsticks you have four you have two in each hand but, but yes basically and you do I'm a little like, sideshow there it's really impressive edward scissor hands <laughs> josh chopstick finger but no, you're supposed to eat sushi, specifically nigiri, right? Right, with your hand. That's how it was originally done, if I remember correctly, from our sushi episode. I think so. Yeah, but yeah, we use chopsticks these days. Uh, here's another no-no: is do not use chopstick as a rake. Like, don't lift up a bowl of rice and just sort of rake rice into your mouth. So that's Japan. I saw in China that's perfectly acceptable. Oh, really? And normal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it gets yeah. dicey with, uh, it's not the same everywhere, you know? Yeah, here's the thing. I don't, I don't know if we said this before. So in Thailand, they don't use chopsticks almost as a rule. Um, in Vietnam, Korea, Japan, China, they're they're totally ubiquitous, almost the only thing you're going to find that you eat with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that means that, like, even a bowl of soup, like miso soup, you're supposed to use your chopsticks for that. Like the little chunks of, of, um, of um, uh, um, tofu. <laughs> yeah. It took me a second. Um, you use your your chopsticks to eat those out of the bowl, and then you slurp yeah. the rest or sip the rest, depending. Um, but with rice, you would hold the bowl up kind of close to your face, but not like up in your face, mm-hmm. just under under your chin and out a little bit, mm-hmm. and then you you know eat eat the rice with your chopsticks from there, lifting the rice up to your mouth, not shoveling it into your mouth from the bowl. Right, and uh, I saw with soups and things also is. If you really want to ramp up the etiquette, you should try and drip into the bowl. 
Oh, right. When you like when you are picking up the tofu, you want to kind of sh- shake the tofu off so it doesn't drip on you or on the table. Yes. If you really want to excel at etiquette, you would just not eat anything. You'd just sit there quietly <laughs> with your chopsticks <laughs> side by side, still in their wrapper, just smiling politely at everyone. It's like, didn't break any rules and I'm really hungry. <laughs> That's right. Uh, there's a couple of more here. Don't point with your chopsticks. Uh, That's but, tough not to do. Do you point? I don't point at people, you know, or anything like oh, but that. You're like, but hey, you're like, hey, can thing? you pass me sure. that thing right there? Yeah, yeah, and you just sort of give a little nod like, hey, that, that pot sticker over there. Yeah, because they're fun to hold and point with and, like, do stuff with. I just, I, I don't know, maybe I'm still, it's still novel enough to me that yeah. I have to remind myself not to, to point or Yumi has to remind me not to point with the chopstick. Or when you're talking and you're expressing things with your hands and you're mm-hmm. using your chopsticks. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to just do a little maestro routine. Right. You know? That's looked down upon. <laughs> or if, you, if you're if you using your hands for something else, you don't stick your chopsticks in your mouth and just hold them in there while you're like moving plates around or something like that. You no. set them down. And here's the other thing, too. If you go to a very nice restaurant in uh, Jap- Japan... Um, or in the States, and it just happens to be a Japanese restaurant. How about that? <laughs> really prolong this thought. Um, you, they're going to give you a, a chopstick rest. Oh, you sure. Set your chopsticks on so they're kind of lifted off of the table, yeah, the, yeah. the end that you put in your mouth. If you don't have that, you can take that paper wrapper and roll it up and make your own chopstick rest. That's right, because uh, you're setting your chopsticks down on a table mm-hmm. uh, that could be, you know, have germs. Right. And speaking of germs also, Chuck, you never, ever use the chopsticks that you're eating with to serve yourself from a communal plate or bowl. That's for sure. They should give you like a a spoon or something like that to spoon it onto your plate. And then you use your chopsticks because that's just germy and and diseasy. And apparently um, there's a, 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 like a supplement to that, where if they don't give you a serving spoon, people flip their chopsticks over and use the thicker end oh. to shovel the food onto the plate, which is not necessarily any more hygienic because that's where your hands have been rather than your mouth. Well, but that's the more socially acceptable thing to do than just using the business end of your chopsticks. The- to <laughs> 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 I don't know why that's so funny to me. Um, got you. But the ends, though... I mean, if you're using them right, you're choked up a little bit, so they're not really being touched by your hands, you know? True. Like, you don't stick the, the ends in your palm. That's right. It's true. You choke up on it like a, like a baseball bat. Yeah, they say in Korea, apparently, that the the further down, though, you hold the chopsticks, the longer it's going to be before you get married. Well, yeah, I mean, we could talk about some of these kind of fun, fun facts. Fine. Uh, let me see here. One is... Uh, if you are given an uneven pair, you will miss a boat or a plane. Mm-hmm. And this is came from Malaysia. I'm not sure if that's ubiquitous all over Asia. I think it's Chinese. Okay. I think. Uh, what else here? This is kind of fun. Um, if you use chopsticks, it involves uh, over 50 muscles uh, in the fingers and 30 joints. And mm-hmm. the, um, well, overall in the fingers, arms, shoulders, and wrists. Yeah. Pretty cool. It is. I mean, how many you use for a fork? Like two? Maybe. Give me a break. Um, <laughs> I saw a couple of things. Um, one is uh, that there was a study that found that eating popcorn with chopsticks makes eating popcorn 
much more enjoyable than eating it without chopsticks with your fingers instead. Hmm. And they even controlled for the amount of extra time it takes to eat popcorn with chopsticks. It's not just that you're eating slower, so you're relishing it more, because they had a control group uh-huh. using their fingers eat at a very slow pace too. And apparently they think it's just the fact that you're doing something differently makes you appreciate the thing that you're doing or that you're eating that much more. Like um, wow. if you pour water out of like a, a, a separate you know, water bottle, like at a restaurant, how they have like the little chilled water bottles they'll bring over. Look at that you, water fancy would pants. Taste, would taste better than water that um, you just poured out of the tap, even if it was the exact same water, because it's being mm. conveyed differently. Yeah. And that's also how you would get uh, popcorn to last through the opening previews of a movie. <laughs> that's right. Because you're not just shoveling it in your mouth like I do. It's so bizarre, man. I do the same thing. I've tried to do the like couple of kernels at a time mm-hmm. and it, you know i do that for the first few and then before you know it i've just got handfuls that i'm i'm pushing into my mouth right right that's how you have to do it you have to use the palm of your hand to really shove the entire <laughs> fistful in there uh-huh. you can't just use your little fingertips it doesn't work you'll no. choke on them and i don't know if it's uh an um sort of a subliminal desire for me not to be distracted during the movie mm. But the ideal in the ideal world, I would just sit there and munch a couple of pieces at a time for two hours. Like just chew them a million times? No, no, no. Just eat a couple of kernels at a time and just really elongate the whole experience. Take, put those chopsticks in your merce and take those <laughs> to the theater. People would be like, look at that guy. Hey, though, you have to be careful, though. Yes, they, yes, they would. <laughs> You have to be careful, though, who you brandish those chopsticks around because, so you put this together, Mm -hmm. kudos for that. Um, One of the facts you came up with is that there's something called consecutileophobia, consecutileophobia, Mm -hmm. I think I said, which is literally a fear of chopsticks. Yeah, there's a fear for everything. But but yes, but I was reading a, a blog post on it on some, maybe PsychNet, I think, and they were saying like, there's basically two categories of phobias, ones that are semi-rational. Like right. They use the example of a fear of sharks. Right. Well, if you did run into a shark, there's a chance you could be killed by that shark. So it's not just totally bonkers to be afraid of sharks. But a, the, a phobia of sharks is an irrational fear. Like maybe if you live in Kansas, you got no reason to have a fear of sharks. This, this one, they said... This basically qualifies in, in the bonkers category. Like, there's virtually nothing that chopsticks can do to hurt you. So to be irrationally afraid of chopsticks where you feel like heart-pounding anxiety is is, is a genuine dyed-in-the-wool phobia. But it, some people do apparently experience this, although it's super rare. Yeah, that's interesting. But you'll, like, avoid entire types of restaurants oh, because sure. you can't be around chopsticks and you'll get anxious just thinking about being around chopsticks. Boy, that's so sad because Asian food makes up a large portion of my diet. Well, luckily for you, you don't have consecutileophobia. No. I mean, when I think about sushi, mm-hmm. I think about pho. Right. I think about ramen. Mm-hmm. I think about good old-fashioned Sichuan Chinese food. Oh, yeah. Think about Korean, mm-hmm. and that's just the tip of the iceberg. I could eat <laughs> that. I could eat that all the time, dude. You've got to get some bude jjigae. I'll take you to go get some. All right, you're gonna you're gonna love it. It's so good. I, I can't wait. Uh, you got anything else? I got nothing else. 
45 minutes on chopsticks, baby. Not bad. If you want to know more about chopsticks, go get yourself some that you can reuse uh, and eat conscientiously with them. And don't forget all the manners, but just go eat some Asian food because no matter where it's from or what it is, it's probably pretty good. Agreed. Since I said that, it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this two for two. Hey, guys, I wrote a few years ago about Alan Alda and thought I'd share a Sammy Davis Jr. story. Oh, wow. Uh, And this is from Andrew Lindbergh in Pittsburgh. And he got his Alan Alderwin read, and when I told him this was coming on, he wrote back, two for two, baby. Nice. Yeah, there's people out there who are like, oh, for 10. I know. I'm so sorry. I assume. <laughs> I, it's not like we're keeping track of people like that. Oh, no, I like have a spreadsheet. Turn the screws on. Oh, you do? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's me. Uh, he says, so in the 80s, Sammy would, had been cleaned out by his ex-wife and was selling barbecue sauce. Uh, he was in Pittsburgh to promote it, and my friend Larry... Who had a local TV show at the time got a chance to interview him. Uh, when they arrived at the hotel, they were told they would get 20 minutes with Sammy. But when they talked to Sammy's manager, he said only 10 minutes. So instead of having time to set up a two-shot interview, and for people that don't know the lingo, that means both people are in the same camera frame. Okay. Uh, they kept the camera on Sammy, and Larry would then go back and add his footage later. So he would, I guess, re-ask the questions with a, a, a ghost Sammy just to edit it together. At the end of the interview, they needed one, just one two-shot of the two of them together so they could edit it realistically. And Sammy's manager said, nope. And Larry looked at Sammy, almost begging because they needed the two-shot. Sammy took a long drag of a cigarette and said, get your two-shot, babe. (laughs) The manager then said, oh, well, I guess I'm the a-hole. To which Sammy said, as a matter of fact, babe, you are an (laughs) (laughs) a-hole. So this is how the story goes, apparently. Uh, And then Andrew says he's been listening since 08 and went to Mm -hmm. that live show in Pittsburgh. Please come back. Yeah. And he says he has a podcast now called the Pittsburgh Oddcast. Nice. And he said we average about uh, 1,500 listens an episode, which is pretty darn good, Andrew. Yeah, it is. Nice work, Andrew. For a self-styled show. That's not bad at all. Especially a local one, too. Pittsburgh Oddcast. Yeah, so Pittsburghians, if you're from the Berg, yeah. uh, check out the Pittsburgh Oddcast and Andrew. Or, or even if you're interested in it. Sure. In Pittsburgh. You might live in Philadelphia and just be a, a Berg head. Exactly. Uh, well, that was a pretty great one. Thank you very much. Two for two. That's pretty impressive, Andrew. Um, and if you want to get Chuck to do any Sammy Davis Jr. impressions, write in with your own Sammy Davis Jr. story and see how it goes. Uh, and you can put that in an email. Wrap it up, spank it on the bottom, and send it off to stuffpodcast at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month.
In Puerto Rico, there's adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the U.S. Get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico and that remind you why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island, it becomes a part of you. No passports required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.